Jesus Christ It's only by His grace we stand Once bound by sin and shame Now slave to righteousness Our faith perfected by His love
moments we remember every blessing that you've poured out so freely from and Britton Brown. Next up, a testimony from Ben Reynolds. Ben is our CFO of the Refugee Ministry and uh, a newcomer to the ministry as well, and we welcome him aboard. This morning I was going to work, and um, the weight of what we do sometimes is, is heavy. There's a lot of things we have to do, and, and um, I'm thinking, man, how, how am I going to get all this stuff done? And then 
you know, I didn't have a very good day Sunday. Um, just stuff that was out of my control. Uh, and we control freaks kind of hate that <laughs> when that happens. But um, I started driving to work, and it was, <clears throat> and I like cloudy mornings because I, I love them because you can see the, the sun and the clouds, and I was starting to pray. And I was feeling, I was feeling, I was just feeling anxious. And then Tom came on the radio, um, Transformation Radio, and um, he gave me an affirmation, and it just, I just broke down. I was like, boy, that's, you know, I'm going to get him when I see him. He knew exactly what I needed that day. But more than that, I mean, after that was over, I was a mess. I mean, I was, I really, I was just crying in the car, you know. I, I wanted, there's so many things I want to get done. And for the first time in 51 years of my life, I actually talked to God and Jesus like a friend. Not as much coming in reverence, you know, you, like you would to the Father. But I just asked him, I said, I, I can't. I can't do this by myself. And I think sometimes that's what happens with us is we try to do all this stuff by ourselves. And and it was just, it felt good just to say, you know, how am I going to get this done? Why isn't this done yet? And how am I going to finish this piece and that piece? And, and, you know, he just, I could just hear him talking to me. He said, when are you going to learn that you can't do this by yourself? And, you know, we can study the Bible and we can listen to people and all these things. But until we really start to approach God the way he really wants us to approach him, I think that's when we really start to learn. Um, and, it's, and it's very humbling. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like we've talked before is sometimes things get done. You go, how did, how did that happen? I mean, how did something get done? I mean, I, I didn't have time and it still got done. And it's just a, it's a reminder that, that God's always there. He's always with us. He loves us. And um, no matter what we do, you know, no matter what we think or how much we think we can do or can't do, he's the one that's always there. You know, he's the one that's picking us up all the time. And um, it, was, it was just wonderful. I mean, I, like I said, it was the first time I think I really just went to him as a friend and I said, you know, I can't do this by myself. And he was like, I know. And I said, that's why I'm here. Start listening to me. <laughs> but um, it was a wonderful morning. I really enjoyed it. And now it's time for our reading in the New Testament. And our narrative today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 21, verses 1 through 28. Here's a brief commentary on what we're going to be reading about today. But Jesus was in the area of the temple called the Court of Women. Uh, in this area were seven boxes in which worshipers could deposit their temple tax and six boxes for free will offerings, like the one this woman gave. Now, this widow that we'll read about in Scripture here today was not only poor, but had few resources for making money. Her small gift was a sacrifice, but she gave it willingly. In contrast to the way most of us handle our money, now this widow gave all she had to live on. When we consider ourselves generous in giving a small percentage of our income to the Lord, well, we resemble those who gave, quote, a tiny part of their surplus, end quote. Now here, Jesus admired the woman's generous and sacrificial giving. Now, as believers, we should consider increasing our giving, whether money, time, or talents, to a point beyond mere convenience or comfort. Now, the temple the disciples were admiring was not Solomon's temple. That had been destroyed by the Babylonians early in the 6th century B.C., 
This temple had been built by Ezra after the return from exile later in the 6th century B.C., desecrated by the Seleucids in the 2nd century B.C., reconstructed by the Maccabees soon afterward, and enormously expanded by Herod the Great over about a 46-year period. It was a beautiful, imposing structure with a significant history, but Jesus said that it would be completely destroyed. And of course, this happened in A.D. 70 when the Roman army burned Jerusalem. Now, Jesus did not leave his disciples unprepared for the difficult years ahead. He warned them about false messiahs, natural disasters, and persecutions. However, he assured the disciples that he would be with them to protect them and make his kingdom known through them. Well, in the end, Jesus promised that he would return in power and glory to save them. Jesus' warnings and promises to his disciples also apply to us as we look forward to his return. We'll also read about persecutions today. These persecutions soon began. Luke recorded many of them in the book of Acts. Paul wrote from prison that he suffered gladly because it helped him know Christ better and to do Christ's work for the church. The early church thrived despite intense persecution. The picture of the coming persecutions and natural disasters is quite gloomy, but ultimately it is a cause not for worry, but for great joy. As believers see these events happening, They'll know that the return of their Messiah is near, and they can look forward to His reign of justice and peace. Rather than being terrified by what's happening in our world, we should confidently await Christ's return to bring justice and restoration to His people. And with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. April 22nd, the New Testament. Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 28. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Some of the disciples began talking about the majestic stonework of the temple and the memorial decorations on the wall, but Jesus said, the time is coming when all these things will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Teacher, they asked, when will all this happen? What sign will show us that these things are about to take place? He replied, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah, and saying, The time has come. But don't believe them. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. Then he added, Nation will go to war against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and there will be famines and plagues in many lands, and there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. You will be dragged into synagogues and prisons, and you will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. So don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you, for I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. Even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, will betray you. They will even kill some of you and everyone will hate you because you are my followers. But not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, 
you will win your souls. And when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you will know that the time of its destruction has arrived. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills, those in Jerusalem must get out, and those out in the country should not return to the city. For those will be days of God's vengeance, and the prophetic words of the Scriptures will be fulfilled. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days! For there will be disaster in the land and great anger against this people. They will be killed by the sword or sent away as captives to all the nations of the world. And Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. For today is as follows. If God intended for all the days of your life to be easy, they would be. No, in grace, he intends for your days to be his tools of refinement. I am deeply persuaded that many of us struggle with questions of God's goodness, faithfulness, and love, not because he has been unfaithful to any promise in any way, but because we simply are not on his agenda page. Our agenda, our definition of what a good God should give us, is a life that is comfortable, pleasurable, and predictable, one in which there's lots of human affirmation and an absence of suffering. But consider God's agenda, as it's revealed in the following passages. Count on all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James 1, 2, and 4. Choice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's from 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's from Romans 5, 1-5. And our last section is, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That's from uh, Philippians 3, 7-9. through 9. <clears throat> The message is consistent throughout all of these passages. God is not working to deliver to you your personal definition of happiness. 
If you're on that agenda page, you are going to be disappointed with God, and you are going to wonder if he loves you. God, or, God is after something better, your holiness, that is, the final completion of his redemptive work in you. The difficulties you face are not in, in the way of God's plan. They do not show the failure of God's plan, and they are not the signs he has turned his back on you. No, those moments are a sure sign of the zeal of his redemptive love. And as we continue on today, Colton Dixon with Through All of It. There are days of taking more than I can give And there are choices that I've made that I wouldn't make again my share of laughter, of tears and troubled times. This has been the story of my life. I have won and I have lost. I got it right sometimes, but sometimes I did not. Life's been a journey. Blinded by my fear And I struggled to believe But in those unclear moments You were the one keeping me strong This is how my story's always gone I won And I lost I got it right sometimes But sometimes I did not Life's been a journey, I've seen joy, I've seen regret Oh, and you have been my God through all of it Ooh, through all of it 
Psalm 89, verses 38 through 52. Have you ever felt like God was against you? Well, this psalm is for you. The psalmist writes here about God being angry and God renouncing the covenant. He even says that he's broken down walls that are protecting the king and ruined every fort defending him. And he complains about being robbed even by his neighbors. And he's also complaining about being publicly disgraced. And then he asks him, how long is this going to last, Lord? Have you ever felt that way? You're in a dilemma of sorts and things were coming down around you and you're wondering how long you were going to be in that desert or in that predicament or in that situation and waiting patiently, hopefully, for the Lord to deliver you. Well, this psalm talks about all that because the psalmist here is casting doubt on the love of God. Ever feel like God doesn't love you, may love the other guy, but doesn't love you? Well, this psalm talks about that. And the psalmist here appeals to the Lord to look upon his servants and see how they're disgraced. But then he ends up by praising God forever. Psalm 89, verses 38 through 52. But now you have rejected him and cast him off. You are angry with your anointed king. You have renounced your covenant with him. You have thrown his crown in the dust. You have broken down the walls protecting him and ruined every fort defending him. Everyone who comes along has robbed him and he has become a joke to his neighbors. You have strengthened his enemies and made them all rejoice. You have made his sword useless and refused to help him in battle. You have ended his splendor and overturned his throne. You have made him old before his time and publicly disgraced him. Interlude O Lord, how long will this go on? Will you hide yourself forever? How long will your anger burn like fire? Remember how short my life is, how empty and futile this human existence. No one can live forever. All will die. No one can escape the power of the grave. Interlude Lord, where is your unfailing love? You promised it to David with a faithful pledge. Consider, Lord, how your servants are disgraced. I carry in my heart the insults of so many people. Your enemies have mocked me, O Lord. They mock your anointed king wherever he goes. Praise the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Proverbs chapter 13, verses 20 through 23. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Trouble chases sinners, while blessings reward the righteous. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. A poor person's farm may produce much food, but injustice sweeps it all away. With John Mark McMillan and how he loves us. Thanks for joining us again on Transformation Radio. We will see you tomorrow.
Stop. 